Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, February 26th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. And I'm on my way to a BFA's Natalie Nowak. Folks, we had a, uh, a pretty busy weekend in this very podcast feed. We started off with Jane Simpson's Stagecraft with Martina Mayok, the playwright of Queens. And it was so good to have Jan Simpson, who's an actual journalist and knows what she's doing, because now I know how to properly pronounce Martina's last name. Um, so that was <laughs> good thing I listened to that. You know what uh, I so can tell you about that is that if you go to Martina's website, she's got a pronunciation uh, guide. James, you're not helping Ooh. my cause here. You're making me no, no, but I think that that's awesome. I think everybody should do that. Yes, that's actually pretty common in sports media guides. And if you go to like rosters on um, especially college uh, rosters, they'll have pronunciation. So that's very helpful. Maybe theater should borrow something from sports balls. But um, then after stage the stagecraft episode, I had an interview with Ellen Marie Marsh. It's a uh, it's it's an interesting episode. If you follow Ellen on social media, you probably know a little bit about what's going on with her personal life and how it's affected her life. She gets into some really crazy details about a breakup she had late last year and how it turned into a legal battle that involved child protective services um it was it's a pretty crazy story now i have to tell you first and foremost ellen's a friend of mine so i did not go um 20 20 60 minutes investigative reporting on this i let her tell her story and we talked about the story this is not an example of journalism in any stretch of the imagination that's not what it was set up to do it's a podcast episode where she's telling her but her story about how she took a crappy emotional situation and personal situation and turned it into a what is going to be a one-woman cabaret show at joe's pub in may so just going in know that yes i understand that i'm not giving both sides of the story but it's my show so oh well um and then finally <laughs> james on sunday uh you peter uh, and Michael Portantier and uh, our friend guest DC reviewer Debbie Schrager talked about some great things going on. And as you uh, as we were talking about before we started recording, both Michael and Debbie not as gung ho on the chess as a lot of people are who are hoping to uh, see it transferred to New York. Yeah, they were excited about the. Um about hearing the score and the great performers and things like that. Uh, I think both of them were pretty disappointed in the, in the book aspect of it and that neither one of them really expects it to transfer to New York in this incarnation. We talked about different options on chess, uh, you know, doing it as a concert a la sort of like Chicago style with a band on stage and Matt brought up a good point when we were talking before about like Sunset Boulevard or uh, what was the other one? Sunset? Sunday in the Park. Sunday in the Park. Sunday in the Park where, you know, more of a presentation of the music than it is of the story. And uh, I think that there's enough meat inside the music to carry the story on its own. But we'll have to see what happens with that. But it's it's an interesting episode of This Week on Broadway. And also... um, Peter Felicia took the Hamiltor, uh, oh. and uh, we talked about the Hamiltor, and he highly recommends it. He said it was great. There's, so. 
there's a Broadway, uh, I think it's called Broadway Up Close, and this is not a plug in any way. I, I don't know that's anything the about Hamilton. them. I don't know these that's people. That's the Hamilton. Yeah, that, that, I, okay, I was going to say that's one of them. The guy who started it is a Broadway performer, and he was a mm-hmm. guest on the podcast uh, of our friends over at Broad Wasted. He was a guest on Broad Wasted, so that's where I heard about it, and I, I've got it literally sitting open on my uh, on my desktop right now because I'm, I'm thinking about taking one of their tours while I'm in town uh, next month. And they've got a bunch of different stuff. So this is, I don't know them. They're not paying us to say this, but they've got a lot of things that if Peter Felicia is a is endorsing a tour, clearly they're doing something right. It's called Hamiltour, the tour where it happened. Yeah. And <laughs> Tim, Tim Dolan, it's his uh, Broadway Up Close walking tours. Hey, Matt, here's an idea. Yes. You, me, and Jillian take the walking tour and we make a podcast while doing the tour <laughs> i i wouldn't Ooh, be surprised that's good i don't know if jillian's already done that uh that she very well might have she's <laughs> on top of all of that she is her and patrick both are uh because they, they do podcasts together they're out in front of us especially on the hamilton stuff they seem to be lapping the field in terms of that content you know maybe on the hamilton tour they stop by jillian's apartment <laughs> this is this is the she, apartment where it happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she lives downtown near the Hamilton tour. So, uh, hmm. okay, <laughs> you talk to Jillian, see if she wants to do that. She's probably okay. already done it. If she's already done it, then we'll come back and report on that. <laughs> All right. Oh, look at what else is going on here. Good old David. Oh, David Mamet's back, isn't he now? David Mamet looks to bring Harvey Weinstein play to Broadway. My name is Olaf, and I like warm hugs. <laughs> that's a that's a callback to a joke James wishes he made on the show, but I wouldn't let him. But now it seems even more appropriate. Uh, we talked about it last week. Anyway, yeah, this is straight out of the thanks but no thanks department, guys. As last week, Pulitzer Prize winning playwright David Mamet told the Chicago Tribune that his Broadway producer had suggested that he write a play about the disgraced Hollywood producer, Harvey Weinstein. So, of course, David Mamet said, sure. And he set out to writing a new play called Bitter Wheat. There are no production plans for the show as of now. But since the idea came from his Broadway producer and pretty much anything Mamet writes comes to Broadway, whether it, whether it warrants it or not these days, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw this in New York in the next year or so. The also uh, the article also says, quote, There has been great interest in the lead role expressed by a Chicago stage legend who is now a movie star, considering we don't know if Weinstein is the actual lead role in this movie or not, or if he's just kind of perfunctory to the story. Um, I can think of a number of people who fit that description, um, who are Chicago stage legends, now movie stars, Gary Sinise, uh, John Malkovich, uh, many others come to mind. Um, and I hope none of them take the job if it is offered to them. Uh, because as the trip points out, Mamet has dealt with sexual ex- exploitation in plays before, most notably Oleana, um, not to mention specifically in the Hollywood specific Speed the Plow. However, to me, I think that uh, the Trib is kind of glossing over the message of at least the former of those plays and not accurately connecting it to what Mamet is actually saying about the Weinstein situation. Mamet said in the interview, quote, I think about this a lot now. I have a bunch of daughters, a young son. Every society has to confront the ungovernable genie of sexuality and tries various ways to deal with it, and none of them work very well. There is a great difficulty when you are switching modes, which we seem to be doing now. People go crazy. They start tearing each other to bits. 
Yeah. So to me, this sounds like he's doing the same thing as he did in Oleana or Oleana. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. I've never seen it. Um, but it sounds like he's trying to defend Weinstein, maybe. And if that's the case, David, nobody wants that. Literally, nobody wants that on Broadway. Matt, I was looking for this article, um, uh, and you said it was in the Chicago Tribune, but I found it on The Onion. So <laughs> not really sure what happened there. I have the link. It is officially the Trib. Um, it, the article is actually about other stuff. Uh, Mamet's got a new book out about Chicago. He's also writing a, a new screenplay, which they talk a lot about in there. But yeah, it's just like of all the people to write a play about Harvey Weinstein, David Mamet is the absolute wrong person. Have you seen the, the, the this uh, this online course thing? Uh, you know, take master's classes with the masters yes, type master's of thing. Class, yes. Does Matt does Mamet do this? To, to, I believe he does. Yes. I think he, he does. does. And and I think one of the topics in there is write what you know, know what you write. So, uh, hmm. All right. And I guess there's going to be a, there's going to be a talk back after each performance. Is that correct? <laughs> there's, there will be no talk backs. <laughs> uh, and in fact, people are not allowed to discuss the play until they're within 100 feet of, of the, the actual team. OK. <laughs> all right. I got all my jokes in in the first story. Good. All right. <laughs> Critics have their say on Jerry Springer, the opera. Yeah, last week, the first New York theatrical production of Richard Thomas and Stuart Lee's Jerry Springer, the opera opened at the Pershing Square Signature Center, thanks to the new group. It previously had a concert slash opera production, uh, I believe at Carnegie Hall. Uh, for this production, John Rando directs and Chris Bailey choreographs. Uh, and in the show, original Broadway Javert, Terrence Mann plays the former mayor of Cincinnati, turned disgusting TV host, turned Broadway's Billy Flynn, Jerry Springer. The last Javert to open a Broadway production of Les Mis, Will Swinson, plays multiple roles, most notably the devil. And just in case you were wondering, uh, Charlotte Dambois uh, left Chicago in one of her 18 stints with the show that is the real number not an exaggeration just less than two months before jerry springer joined the company so she did not have any firsthand knowledge to uh, give her husband on his uh, on his performance anyway the critics were fairly happy with this one uh if not one notable holdout and of course that is Ben Brantley from the New York Times. He said, quote, this intimate staging in which Jerry's next guest could well be sitting near you never lets us think that we're better than the suckers on stage. For while it may have its nominable nominal stars, Jerry Springer is really all about the American people of today. We the people, they the people, and yes, even you. Frank Sheck of The Hollywood Reporter said, quote, The combination of the large cast and small venue inevitably make it a, make for a cramped, claustrophobic feeling. The performers, however, are terrific, from the supporting players who sing beautifully while getting laughs in the process, to Swenson's charismatic turns in his dual roles and Mann's amusingly hapless Jerry. It does seem a shame, however, that Mann, a superb musical theater performer, doesn't get a chance to show off his pipes in this speaking only role. Our friend Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show four out of five stars, writing, quote, under John Rando's direction, the energy never flags and the intimate thrust stage setup sucks you into the talk show audience mob, even if it, as it helps you appreciate their glorious voices. Its theology may not be deep, but beneath its sublime to ridiculous jokes, Jerry Springer, the opera is on to something about reality show culture and the poignancy behind its debased participants, which more or less includes all of us. Oh, the absurdity, but oh, the humanity. 
Finally, Barbara Schuler from Newsday said, quote, on one level, of course, this is simply high camp, genuinely entertaining for those who can stomach the language. But there are some more significant messages, notably from Springer, who's been shot. Complicated story, she says. Uh, Springer says, quote, I'd like to add my name to the list of celebrities calling for tighter gun control, something you would, of course, say after uh, you're shot. Um, and Schuller goes on saying, before a chorus repeatedly sings, take care of yourselves and each other. No matter what you think of guys in diapers, these words are something to reflect on these days. The show is currently scheduled to run through March 11th, but I would love it to extend and to add some random performance on like a Tuesday afternoon so that I can see it because my <laughs> schedule full um but this is right up my alley um this is just so bizarre and wonderful i wish i could see it james are you going to see this one uh the invites came and it's right in the middle of a really busy couple of weeks i'm trying to fit it in i haven't scheduled it yet but uh michael and peter both uh gave it a good word of mouth uh today on the uh, this week on broadway and but they said that, you know, Michael had talked about not only an extension, but a transfer to Broadway. Oh, wow. So, um, and then Peter kind of said, I'm not sure that it would actually go that far. But Michael seems to think it's it's heading that direction. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Natalie, is, is is I don't know if you're really of the Jerry Springer generation. Like, he was huge when I was at home on summer breaks watching, you know, terrible mm -hmm. daytime TV before the good daytime TV started with all my children, one life to live in a hospital. Um, is this something that really not only necessarily just appeals to you because it's got great people, but does this, the Jerry Springer show, does that still resonate with people of your generation? Not as much. I mean, I am familiar with it, but I don't think that it, it has the same effect for us, but I mean, I would be interested in seeing it, like you said, just because of the amazing people in it but no i don't think it doesn't really resonate with me that much yeah i kind of figured that that my age and maybe you know five or six years younger 30 plus might be the mm -hmm. age where that starts to drop off um but when you throw terrence mann and will swenson yeah. and jill pace into a show it's it's probably worth seeing whether you're familiar with the tv show or not definitely yeah i mean uh at that with that level of talent uh you can almost get away with marketing it to people that don't know the show just because mm -hmm. it, they're so talented. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Show and casting news. Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert finds its complete cast. Yes. Uh, last week, we already talked about Brandon Victor Dixon, Norm Lewis, Jason Tam, Jen Ha, and more joining John Legend, Sarah Bareilles, and Alice Cooper in NBC's Easter night live musical slash concert event. Well, on Friday, the production released more information, including the entire ensemble, which features some recognizable Broadway names, including but not limited to Felicia Boswell, F. Michael Haney, Michael Kilgore, Joel Perez, former Broadway Fierro and Mark's son and Ben's brother, Jonah Platt, Justin Matthew Sargent, Heath Saunders, uh, Joey Toronto, uh, Sidney Winters and Lauren Zacher and a good number of people from the uh, from the great comet in there. Um, it looks like this is going to be a very strong theatrically savvy production so even if it is being billed just as a concert i have a feeling that there's going to be a lot more going on than just people standing at mics and singing as if it were the les mis or phantom uh, anniversary concerts they also did announce casting for dancers so clearly there will be more than just standing going around 
Also, the next story is is kind of an interesting one, guys, because it practically negates a previous story that we talked about. As on Friday, the Atlantic Theater Company announced that it would be extending Martin McDonough's play The Hangman through March 25th at the Linda Gross Theater off-Broadway. While the extension isn't a surprise in a vacuum because it's pretty much sold out from the moment they went on sale. What is a surprise is that this more or less removes the possibility for a transfer before this spring's Tony deadline, which the New York Post's Michael Riedel had previously reported was all but assured. Now, I don't know if something happened in making the transfer happen or if they're going to wait until the next theatrical season. Perhaps there was an issue between the U.S. and U.K. branches of Actors' Equity. Um, But I am a little disappointed that this appears to not be coming to the main stem this season, as it probably would have been the only thing to really give Harry Potter a run for its money in a handful of the pretty important Tony categories, especially best play. So we'll see what happens. And if uh, Harry Potter kind of runs away with everything in that category. And finally, in this section, Goodspeed Musicals announced the creative teams behind the shows of their upcoming season. First up, Don Stevenson will direct Will Rogers Follies from April 13th through June 21st. Then Rob Ruggiero will direct Oliver from June 29th through September 8th. And then Hunter Foster will direct The Drowsy Chaperone, which, of course, originally starred his sister Sutton from September 21st through November 25th. All three of those shows will take place at the legendary Goodspeed Opera House in East Haddam, Connecticut. But over at their other theater, the Terrace in nearby Chester, Sarna Lapine, speaking of uh, Sunday in the Park with George, will direct a new musical called You Are Here by Brian Hill and Neil Bartram. That show will run from May 18th through June 10th. Then Erica Schmidt will direct a new adaptation of Cyrano featuring music by the Grammy winning band The National. That show will run from August 3rd through September 2nd. Uh, Natalie, our our resident millennial for this episode, The mm-hmm. National, is that a good thing? Anything? Nothing? I don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I okay. don't know enough about it. I really don't. School theater kids. All right. Thanks. Thanks for nothing. Um, and, and then finally, Goodspeed will be bringing back a further developed version of a show that ran last December. It called A Connecticut Christmas Carol. That one will also be directed by Hunter Foster and choreographed by Lisa Shriver. Now, I, I we talk about him so much that we forget that he's actually in a longstanding Broadway actor. But with all of this directing that Hunter is doing around the country, including all of the work he's doing as like an artistic director, artistic associate at the Bucks County Playhouse and a writer, I, I saw right before uh, Bonnie and Clyde came to Broadway, um, maybe six months to a year before I saw his um, uh, Clyde and Bonnie, a folktale, which was hilarious. And he wrote the book for that. But with all of this directing he's doing at some point, he's got to be bringing a show to Broadway, doesn't he? I, it's hard. It's, it's hard. There's so few opportunities. Um, he got a, he's got to hook up with an original project instead of, uh, well, he did revivals. Hmm? Yeah, he did clue, um, which is supposed to tour. So maybe that'll end up on Broadway, but, uh, uh, but he just does so much and he's so well known. You would think that somebody, some producer would say, Hey, I'm bringing this show in. Let me go get Hunter Foster, uh, to direct it. That would be a little cachet for the production. Hmm. Yeah, I yeah I I, I see what you're saying, and uh, hopefully that'll all come to fruition for him. Very nice guy. All right, what's up in the recommendation section? Okay, I've got two things. Um, first is a real quick one, then I want to talk about the second one. But first, Lena Hall uh, announced her 
third uh, addition to the Obsessed series that she talked about with us a few weeks ago or a few months ago at this point, um, where she's releasing an EP each month focusing on some artist or collection of artists or band. And she's already done. The first one was doing Songs of Hedwig. Then for February this month, she's doing Peter Gabriel. For March, I'm so happy she is doing all Elton John music. I love me some Elton John, as I've talked about on this show before. I think his more more recent stuff from the this this century, the 21st century, is grossly underrated. Um, but she will be covering those songs beginning on March 2nd. Um, there's there's a special trailer that we'll have in the show notes if you want to watch that, and you can of course uh, pre-order the Elton John EP now. So keep your eye out for that. And then this one. Um, is much different, a much different type of recommendation, but it is a blog um, from the Fountain Theater Company, and it has really seems to have caught um, a lot of attention online. And the headline is, are you surprised that the young leaders of the Never Again movement are theater kids? I'm not. Of course, this article kind of talks about Everything that's happened in the aftermath of the horrific shooting at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and how a number of students have become social media and news firestorms as they refuse to back down from whether it's Senator Marco Rubio, NRA spokeswoman and actual living demon Dana Loesch, um, or from going on social media and talking about things or going to the White House and not backing down. Um, and a lot of those kids are theater kids. And one of the things that the blog's writer, Stephen Sachs, who's the artistic director at the uh, at the uh, the Fountain Theater, he says. The things that happen in a in a theater rehearsal are the things that really give kids the confidence to stand up when they need to stand up. And then being on a stage also shows them probably for the first time in their lives that not only do words matter, but the power of their words can get attention from adults who otherwise might just dismiss you because you're a kid. In one of the sections, he also writes, as one student asserted during a spoken word section of the performance, which was uh, a song that was written and sung by the drama kids at the CNN Town Hall last week, the students vow to, quote, be the voice for those who don't have one. Sack says a voice is a powerful, powerful thing, and theater can be a formidable stage from which to find one's own song. As the Never Again mission statement declares, change is coming, and it starts now. Inspired by and led by the kids who are our hope for the future, their young voices will be heard. So I want you to, I encourage you to check out this article. Um, and now, Natalie, I, I know you weren't, mm -hmm. even though you're getting your your BFA, you were more of a dance kid and came to musical theater a little bit later than maybe we think of from a traditional, uh, you know, high school theater kid, but you're only a couple of re years removed from being in their situation. Thankfully not this specific situation, but as a high yeah. school student, what do you think about all of these ideas about theater being a, 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 for lack of a better term, crucible of, of giving people the tools they need to stand up in difficult situations? Well, yeah, when I read the article, I was not at all surprised that the theater kids are the ones who are stepping up and speaking out because, um, like the article said, when you give those tools to kids from such a young age, it's kind of just wired in their subconscious to when something like this happens, when horrible tragedies like this occur, then they're the ones who are like, okay, they pinpoint the issue. Here's what we need to do. Let's speak up. It's just kind of 
I think it's just kind of in them from, you know, just ingrained from years of, you know, I have a voice and I can, I can use it to make change. So yeah, I think it's great. And I'm definitely not surprised that it's the theater kids. The uh, talk about uh, the great communicators of, you know, the, the, the Ronald Reagans, the Bill Clintons, the Barack Obamas, uh, the people who could tell a story. That's what theater's about is telling a story. And mm-hmm. these theater kids understand, especially now, uh, it's tremendously impressive to see them being interviewed, the poise that they have, because they have, they've practiced their lines. They know what they're going to say. Uh, they have, <laughs> they have, you know, it's, uh, I'm really proud of, uh, of the work that they're doing. Um, and, uh, and as you, as you referenced the NRA spokesman, Dana Loesch, I, I thought that possibly, uh, there's a future for her to play Satan into Jerry Springer, the opera. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, you know, if the, if the, if the Weisses are producing it on Broadway, uh, yeah, could got, yeah. rotate her in and things like that. And then uh, other event, other events in the news. I'm thinking that you know, the Russian hockey team uh, might be filled with theater kids as well because uh, they they did that rousing rendition of the Russian national anthem during the Olympics. Oh, so, I didn't uh, see that. Yeah, they wouldn't play they because Russia can't participate oh, in the right. Olympics, yeah. it's, and they it's they the won. Olympic athletes from Russia. Yeah, yeah. So they when they at the medal ceremony they played the. They played the uh, Olympic theme instead of the Russian national anthem, and the Russian <clears throat> hockey team uh, all banded arms together. Uh, they didn't kneel, but they uh, sang the, the Russian national anthem live on television. Wow! So, <laughs> maybe That's there's some uh, theater kids in the Russian hockey team. So uh, <laughs> could uh, be. Obviously, obviously, all Stanislavski trained. Oh, ah, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, and I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of acting classes and improv classes in New York and things like that, if you go to them, you find lots of non-actors. You find lots of business people and various other type of people that are looking to obtain these skills for other parts of their lives that never intend on getting on a stage. So I think theater training is uh, probably a good thing for everybody. Yeah. Again, doesn't surprise me that these kids uh, are doing such wonderful work. And a uh, uh, small group of people, it's the only way to change the world. That's how it all starts. All right, Natalie, what do we have in this week's theatrical schedule? Well, first up, New York Theater Workshops and Ordinary Muslim opens today. Balancing the high expectations of the previous generation, the doctrines of their Muslim community, and the demands of secular Western culture, Azim and his wife struggle to straddle the gap between their Pakistani heritage and their British upbringing. This production will run through March 11th. The original Broadway production Three Tall Women starts previews on Tuesday. Three Tall Women is a portrait of a woman in life's final act and Edward Albee's most personal work. Three Tall Women made its New York debut at the the Vineyard Theater in 1994, and in that year, it won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Laurie Metcalf, Glenda Jackson, and Alison Pill star in this production, and it is set to open on March 29th. Keen Company's off-Broadway revival Later Life will begin previews on Tuesday. A middle-aged man and woman meet at a cocktail party and ponder beginning the relationship that eluded them 30 years ago. It's a romantic tale of missed connections and hope for new beginnings. Later Life will open on March 14th. 
The Broadway revival of Carousel will begin previews on Wednesday at the Imperial Theater. The all-star production features Tony Award winner Jesse Mueller as Julie Jordan, Tony nominee Joshua Henry as Billy Bigelow, and opera superstar Renee Fleming as Nettie Fowler. This production is directed by three-time Tony Award winner Jack O'Brien. Carousel will officially open on April 12th. The Actors' Company Theater's Three Wise Guys begins previews on Wednesday. It's Christmas Eve in 1932. Three New York guys, each preoccupied with his own particular problems and not especially fond of the season, find themselves in Good Time Charlie's Speakeasy. The guys agree to band together and take to the road to avoid the holiday, but over the course of the night, they inadvertently spread good cheer to one and all. Three Wise Guys is set to open on March 11th. Vineyard Theater's The Amateurs begins previews on Thursday. A scrappy troupe of pageant players races across 14th century Europe, struggling to outrun the Black Death and medieval subscribers. The Amateurs will run through March 18th. Wait, hold on, hold on. Like, like subscribers, like subscribers to their theater company? Is that what that means? Uh, could be. I know, I put you on the spot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that sounds fun. That sounds hilarious, though, like a medieval theater troupe trying to avoid the plague and people who want yeah. them to put on. Okay. I, I, yeah. I'm interested. I don't know. I'm interested. Sounds, <laughs> sounds <Yeah>. interesting. <laughs> All right. The Los Angeles production of Allegiance opens on Wednesday at the Aratani Theater. As I mentioned on last Monday's show, Allegiance tells the story of the Kimura family whose lives are upended when they are forced to leave their homes following the events of Pearl Harbor. George Takei will be reprising his role from the Broadway production for this Los Angeles run. Allegiance will run through April 1st. Second Stage Theater's original Broadway production Lobby Hero will begin previews on Thursday at the Helen Hayes Theater. A young security guard with big ambitions clashes with his stern boss, an intense rookie cop, and her unpredictable partner. This play was written by Kenneth Lonergan, the 2017 Oscar-winning writer of Manchester by the Sea. The cast includes Michael Sarah, Chris Evans, Brian Tyree Henry, and Belle Powley. Lobby Hero is set to open on March 26th. Roundabout Theater Company's off-Broadway premiere, Amy and the Orphans, opens on Thursday. After their father's death, two unhinged siblings reunite with Amy, their sister, who has Down syndrome. An unexpected turn reveals the moment that changed their lives and the fact that Amy may be the only one who knows her own mind. This production will run through April 22nd. Now moving on to this week's closings. Classic Stage Company's Fire and Air will close on Friday. Back in my hometown of Chicago, the Steppenwolf's production The Burn will close on Saturday. Roundabout Theater Company's original Broadway production, John Lithgow, Stories by Heart, will close on Sunday. 59 East 59 Theater's production, entitled Some Old Black Man, will close on Sunday. Atlantic Theater Company's This Girl Laughs, This Girl Cries, This Girl Does Nothing will close on Sunday. Lastly, Irish Repertory Theater's Disco Pigs will close on Sunday. And that is all for this week's schedule. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt and subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Natalie, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Natalie underscore Noack. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for starting off the week with us. And Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.